Welcome to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. My name is Felicia Crawford Randall, and I am the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at St. Louis Realtors. Today I am joined by Miss Vivian Gibson, a native St. Louisan who grew up in Mill Creek Valley, a neighborhood raised in 1959 to build Highway 40. Her family, friends, church community, and neighbors were all displaced as a result. In her moving memoir, The Last Children of Mill Creek, Miss Gibson recreates the everyday experiences of her family, the Ross family, which included her mother and father and seven siblings who moved to St. Louis as part of the Great Migration. With an eye for accounting details, she brings to life her neighborhood populated by her friends, shop owners, teachers, and others who made Mill Creek into a warm, tight-knit African-American community and reflects upon what it means that Mill Creek was destroyed in the name of racism disguised as progress. Miss Gibson, thank you for joining us here today for our podcast. Thank you, Felicia. Miss Gibson, what inspired you to write your book, The Last Children of Mill Creek? Well, there's a long version and a short version. Um, it really was a book that came about probably because it was on my list of things to do when I retired. Uh, I had uh, been writing sh short stories for years, and once I retired, I joined a writing workshop and uh, decided to try to pull all of these stories together for my children. Uh, one thing led to another. A publisher in Ohio saw one of my stories, uh, asked for some more, and the next thing you know, I had a publishing contract. Well, we are glad you did. Um, where was the Mill Creek Valley neighborhood located? Well, Mill Creek Valley was uh, basically downtown St. Louis, the center of downtown St. Louis. When we talk about the urban renewal project, uh, the footprint for that was basically Grand Avenue on the west, uh, where St. Louis University is today, uh, moving down east on Olive to 20th Street, which is basically Union Station, uh, south to the railroad tracks that run parallel to the highway today, and back up maybe Shoto or the railroad tracks to Grand. So that is what's commonly referred to as Mill Creek, but it really is the uh, urban renewal part portion of Mill Creek Valley. It sounds like a nice-sized area, actually. 462 acres, 20,000 people displaced. Wow. Tell me more about everything that ultimately happened with the Mill Creek Valley area. Well, as I said, it was 462 acres, 20,000 people, churches, schools, organizations, businesses uh, in a segregated part of St. Louis. I think some people are taken aback when I say that we lived in a segregated community in the heart of downtown St. Louis, which meant we were restricted uh, as to where we could live as black people and were segregated there from actually uh, the end of slavery uh, through 1959. 
mainly because there was a a very um, low housing availability for black people. Uh, So we were pretty much restricted there. We lived and worked. A lot of people today say they'd never heard of it. Uh, Where was it? Uh, And I like to almost jokingly say, well, you know where St. Louis University is, and you know where Union Station is. Right. All you had to do was look, turn your head and look, and there we were, 28,000 people. Um, When the federal funding was made available to mostly every city in the country for the highway system in the late 40s, early 50s, uh, again, like other cities, Mostly downtown were um, the oldest parts of the city, and the highways went through those those communities, and they tended to be communities of color. And what did this community mean to the residents who lived there? Well, it was our home. We lived there. Uh, everything about our lives and our culture was in that community. We were restricted, and in a lot of ways, our parents um shielded us from what was going on in the larger community. So it was safe, a safe place for us to grow and thrive, uh, even though it was uh, probably the least developed part of the city in terms of the housing. The housing stock was basically from the late 1800s. Many of um, the homes when built had no indoor plumbing. A lot of them had outdoor outhouses, uh, no hot running water, no furnaces. Uh, We chopped wood and burned wood and coal in wood-burning stoves in the middle of the the, uh, century. And so uh, it was a underdeveloped part of the city for sure. Um, But again, we had few options. Tell our listeners a little more about the Mill Creek Valley neighborhood, starting with sharing some of your fondest memories about growing up in the Mill Creek Valley neighborhood? Well, when I wrote this book, um, I pretty m- I write it as a child. I write it from the perspective of a child. And so my memories and fond memories are of being a child playing, uh, uh, the youngest of eight children, uh, playing outside with my friends in the community that was full of children. So... Um, I think those were probably my fondest memories. But when I look back on it as an adult, uh, I look back on the fact that it was a safe, um, supportive community. Um, We lived, and it was a diverse community in that wealthy, well, well well-to-do black people, professionals, doctors, lawyers, our teachers, our pastors, we all lived in the same community. So you had a sense of, um, what was possible in terms of careers and, and um, your, what to aspire to because you had those people right there in your community. Uh, we were protected from knowing what was going on outside of our community until um, probably teenage years when we could better understand what our society is like. How do you think individuals from outside the Mill Creek Valley view this community? Well, I I talk about uh, my book to groups all the time, and just about every time I hear someone say, I never heard of it. Where was it? And and I've stopped getting upset about it because I've come to expect it. 
But I think people, uh, what people know about Mill Creek is what they read in the daily papers. And uh, the stories that were written were that we were we lived in a slum, uh, which really does still bother me somewhat. There were certainly portions of that community that were under underdeveloped, but and slums and slum like. But no one ever talks about the fact that there were to have a slum, you have to have slum lords. These were right. people. Eighty-two percent of them, in fact, rented their homes and their their apartments. And so when the city does not enforce housing codes and landlords don't make repairs, you certainly do get a slum. And so I, I'm sad to say that I'm, I'm sure the people who acknowledge even knowing we existed thought that we were in unsafe, unhealthy, uh, slum-like conditions, which was not always the truth. Tell us a little bit more about the housing stock. I know you said that there were lots of renters there, but what was the housing stock like? What are we talking about? Houses that were being rented, tenements, like what? Well, St. Louis in that part of the city is the oldest part of the city. So the city grew up from which where basically the arch is today and came right down the center along a creek, which is where the name came from, Mill Creek. It was a creek that ran through the city that was owned by August Shoto. And, and, and so the, there were wealthy people who started the country, who, who lived along that creek. Uh, it was the site of the first public park in St. Louis. And as the city grew and, and people, ethnic groups came in and came out, uh, moved north, south, and west, uh, that became uh, an old part of the city. First uh, came uh, factories and, and uh, slaughterhouses that dumped into the creek and polluted it. And eventually it had to be drained uh, because of a cholera e epidemic. Uh, now it's the site of the railroad tracks that run into Union Station. That was the original creek bed. Mm -hmm. uh, so the houses were old brick houses. The bricks came about because there was around the... 1840s, there was a major fire on the riverfront that burned down a lot of the housing, so um, bricks were used from that point on. So they were lovely bricks, uh, which is why this city is known so much for its brick uh, structures, but they were old. And, but they were the same housing stock that's in Soulard, that's in Lafayette Square, so it's, it's that same kind of architecture. Um, that could have been maintained uh, if there was a desire to. But at some point, the heart of the city is location, location, location. And uh, it became more desirable to have that to be uh, fixed up so that people coming into the city wouldn't see the oldest part of the city. But the problem was, once black people were segregated there, the question became, okay, but where did these black people live? Because white people were not willing to have us live near them. So we, there was a dilemma there for the city and politicians and business people to uh, solve. So do, do, does any of those structures remain today four, that you know of? Four buildings out of eight, something like 850 buildings. Four buildings remain. Sean High School, which is now on the campus of Harris-Stowe State University, Berea Church, 
which is right off of Olive and Cardinal, and it was the only church of 42 churches that were not that was not demolished. Uh, there is a historic laundry. Don't ask me why a laundry didn't get torn down when all the buildings around it. So that's some research that I'd like somebody to do to find out why a laundry stayed. And uh, a factory building that's along Highway uh, 6440. Four buildings remain. And um, there's no, there's not even a marker that said this was a neighborhood that, that was once here. It's all demolished, which is why my book is important, because the community, uh, after my generation goes, the community would be completely forgotten and erased. Ms. Gibson, thank you so much for joining us here today, and we look forward to continuing this conversation later this month. We invite our listeners to join us in a few weeks for the second part of this conversation as we discuss more of Mill Creek Valley. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.